Alright folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to chat about the Denver Nuggets and chatting about Media Day as we finally get into the season. This is the on-season, as my friend Adam Maris likes to say. It's not the off-season anymore because we've got some things to actually talk about. Uh, This is a cool time of year. Everybody feels like first day of school kind of vibes, and that's an exciting part of this. That's an exciting aspect, and I always look forward to it. I'm a little bit tired, though, if you can't tell, but it is a good time of year. It is a positive time of year where for the vast majority of the league, it is time to get positive. For the vast majority of the league, it is time to really account for, hey, we can we can be that good. Why not us this year? Why not us? Soon those hopes will be dashed. Soon they will, like most of these teams will face reality and maybe even the Nuggets will face reality at some point. But I don't want to put the cart before the horse there because I was there and I felt pretty good about what Denver was actually doing and, and how they actually were, were approaching this thing. That's always a great, exciting aspect of this time. Uh, hope everybody's doing well. I will answer any and all media day questions that I get as long as they are appropriate and am looking forward to the interaction here, looking forward to Anybody that, that wants to reach out and ask their media day questions of my impressions of what actually happened today, why am I positive, what's going on, I will absolutely do that. But for now, I will specifically go into uh, just my general takeaways from the event. Uh, got there at about 9 o'clock, did a lot of recording with Anil Piro and Swipe a Cam, who's uh, basically MHS now. Uh, we're, we're trying to figure out ways for him to become a little bit more permanent, but I would love for, I'd love to be able to work with Swipe more consistently. He is awesome. He's dope. Uh, and we had a great time. We had a great time today and lots of good things to come on social and on YouTube and, and all these, all these fun platforms that you're going to get good nuggets coverage on. Uh, most important thing that I think we should start with, though, for media day takeaways are the championship expectations. This was as clear as day. This was what people were wanting to hear, right? There's a lot of talk about repeating. There's a lot of talk about uh, just just a lot of pressure. And I think that starts from the top. The players do put it on themselves. I don't want to say uh, one way or the other, but Pretty much every player gets paid one way or the other, whether they're successful or not, at at least for this one-off year. But for this team and and for this moment, uh, Nikola Jokic is prime. Jamal Murray is playing as as great as he ever has. Michael Porter's healthy. Aaron Gordon's in his prime. There's reason to believe that this Nuggets team can do it again next year, or this year. We're in the on-season, remember, Ryan? Um, There's reason to believe that this team can do it, and, and they shared that. They shared that same sentiment. And I was very excited to hear that as, as all Nuggets fans should be just a couple of expectations of the quotes that I'm talking about, uh, from my article today, milehighsports.com. You should go read it. Uh, basically media day takeaways article. Uh, this comes from Josh Kroenke who had 
a variety of things to say today about a variety of different topics. I, I wanted to focus more on the basketball side, but there are some good things here too. Quote, when you achieve the ultimate goal, your natural reaction is step back to relax a little bit. We don't have the same exact we don't have the exact same roster as we did last year. We have the same starting five that we feel is the best in the NBA, but our bench is going to look a little different. So can our new guys embrace those new roles? Can certain guys step up into new roles? Uh, Calvin Booth, who has been emphasizing a bunch of different things, uh, shared, I think winning the championship was a huge step for our program moving forward, and we probably, quite frankly, did it a lot sooner than a lot of people would. Th- uh, a lot of people thought we would. Repeating would be great. More importantly, how do we sustain this, and how do we win multiple championships. That's an interesting statement. That's an interesting one that really caught my ear. Multiple championships, huh? Nuggets fans, I think, if if you told Nuggets fans five years ago that they would get a championship during this era, I think many would be happy with that. Many would be satisfied with that. Never had a championship in franchise history. But when you have the best player in the world and you have the supporting cast around him, like Denver does, it would be unwise to cap it at just one. It would be unwise to set your expectations too low. And I think that these expectations are are pretty clear. It came from the players. It came from the coaches. It came from ownership and, and general management. So I thought that that was cool. I thought that that was very cool. Uh, Simon asks, hi, Ryan, Vlaco Chancho was here today. He was not, uh, he may have been in the upstairs area doing uh, promotional stuff. However, he was not there to speak to media specifically. I actually doubt that he was there in the upstairs stuff because Michael Malone today declared that Vlaco would not play this year because of the torn ACL. Uh, I'm not surprised by that. I think he tore it back in middle of July, maybe late July, if I'm not mistaken. It might have been August, uh, but he had surgery on it, I believe, in August. And when that came to pass, it was pretty clear that, hey, you need at least nine months to be able to realistically come back from an injury. And more likely, it's closer to a year. Uh, I'm not surprised. And, and he he wasn't there. He, he wasn't there. We didn't get to speak to him today, but uh, it's too bad because he would have had a massive role for the team this year, I believe. And that would have been really nice to see him kind of rewarded with that role after playing good soldier for as long as he has. So hopefully that can turn around. But uh, as of now, no, we have not heard from Vlatko. Going back to the championship expectations, uh, that has been reiterated by the players, the coaches, and general management. Uh, thought that Michael Malone had an in- had a couple of interesting things to say on that. Uh, there was a, a little bit of talk about the changing landscape for sure. Uh, one of them was that uh, from Michael Malone directly, quote, The NBA landscape has shifted dramatically in a week's time, right before we started this year. Last year is over. We have a new responsibility. And there's it's it's pretty difficult to turn the page. One, like when you're a championship team, the term championship hangover is clearly a thing. 
it may not be a thing with this team. We'll see what happens. But uh, just doing some data work, it would not surprise me if Denver won fewer games this ne- this year than they did this last year, just because that championship hangover is generally a thing. However, there are reasons to believe that the Nuggets can combat that, and they talked about that today. Uh, Jamal Murray should be better than he ever was. Uh, Michael Porter should be better than he ever has been. Nikola Jokic is still getting better, and we'll see what that ultimately looks like from a statistical perspective and a production standpoint, but I do think that he has a chance to be even better than he was last year, as ludicrous as that sounds. Um, He may have perfected the game of basketball, but there may also be some other things that he wants to do better, and uh, it sounds like he's pretty hungry. Now, moving on a little bit from the championship expectations, the Regular season was discussed a little bit as something that people are interested in, in how they approach it and how seriously they approach it from a winning standpoint versus building habits standpoint versus we don't care about the regular season. We've proven it in the playoffs standpoint. And there there are a couple of schools of thought there. I'll go back to a Michael Malone quote that, that he shared earlier. Um, Again, this is a lot of this you can find in my article from today. I'm I'm trying to pull from this and wanting to make sure that uh, everybody gets this good content. Michael Malone says, today is a new season, uh, is the start of a new season, a new challenge. We understand what's at stake. We're going to get everybody's best 82 games this year. We have gone from being a team that's hunting to now we're going to be the hunted. Hopefully our guys understand the responsibility that comes with being a defending champion. There could be no off nights because we're getting everybody's best this year. So that's one end of the spectrum. That's the Michael Malone end, the competitive, uh, in-the-moment coaching that he usually has, that he has to have. That's part of his job. His job is to continue to motivate the team, to continue to get them better, continue to drive them to try. And that's as much of a job of an NBA coach as there is in the NBA right now. The other end of the spectrum is something that Calvin Booth said. He said, quote, The good thing about this team that they proved last year is that if we start playing well at the right time, we can win. That will be the goal this year. It won't be to get 65 wins. It won't be to be undefeated in October and November. How do we get this team playing the right way at the right time? Now, competing schools of thought, and I like having different perspectives. It is not necessarily something where the juxtaposition is bad. I think that Michael Malone will continue to push, while Calvin Booth will continue to say to the team and communicate and reiterate to Malone that, as long as certain benchmarks are checked, that it's going to be fine. Um, Now, I think Michael Malone would love to set a franchise record for wins. I think he'd love to get 58, 59, 60 wins for the Nuggets this year. And to be clear, the Nuggets have the talent that they could do that if they wanted to. However, what we have found in the NBA over the course of these last few years is that it's not as important as it previously was to get into the 60s to win championships. I mean, take a lot of the recent champions. I don't think any of them have won 60 games, at least over these last five years. 
think Toronto was about like 57, 58. Uh, that was back in 2019. 2020, I do think the Lakers were on pace, or they were on pace for about 57, if I'm not mistaken, but it was close. They were probably the best regular season team, the Bubble Lakers. 2021, the Bucks were not this juggernaut of a regular season team. They actually experimented a lot during the regular season and tried different things. They tried switching more on defense and experimented with their schemes, and it made them a better team as a result in the playoffs. 2022, the Warriors, they had several months, basically, where they were either the best team in the league, looked like the best team in the league, or they had some injuries and guys missed and everybody was wondering, what's wrong with the Warriors? And then they won the title. And then Denver, like they, from December to February this last year, December maybe to March 3rd, we'll call it, they were clearly the best team in the sport. There was nobody that could compete with them. And at least from a consistency basis, but in October and November and from March 3rd to the end of the season, they were horrible or at least average, uh, pretty bad for a championship team. And there was no reason why they had to be that bad, but they were. So Denver won that way. They went 16 and four. The theory of the practice is good with Calvin Booth, but if there are certain goals that the team has, hypothetically all-star discussion, which we'll talk about in the next segment, then I do not think the team can just flap around in the wind during October and November. They've got to actually play. They've got to be more consistent early on in the season, or else they are going to have to wait. They're going to have to figure it out. So we will see what ultimately happens. We'll see how they ultimately handle it, but I am very interested to see what the team does and how they attack the rest of the or how they attack the early part of the season because part of me thinks that Calvin Booth is like hey we're going to just ease into it we're okay with some losses up front as long as we get the development and figure out the chemistry and the rotation and things like that and Michael Malone's like nah we're going to try to win so we'll see we will see what they do let's take a break when we come back, we are going to chat about other Media Day takeaways. Again, if you have a question, uh, make sure to hit up the comment section of the YouTube and drop one in there. Uh, but first, this message is brought to you by, uh, or this, this podcast is brought to you by Superbook Sports. Everybody, why would you bet with the, fo- with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook, this fall. Superbook, they're the book next door. They are the best odds makers in Las Vegas, and they are making sure that you are taken care of and can play and can bet the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now Superbook will give you the bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code MILEHIGH. So bet with the best. Use that promo code this football season with Superbook Sports. That's promo code MILEHIGH. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Vlada, thank you for mentioning that. I have been muted for this entire time. Sick. All right. Um, cool. Thanks, guys. 
I did not realize. Okay, that is, that's embarrassing. <laughs> um, all right, let's take two seconds to laugh at Ryan. One, two. Okay, laughing at Ryan is now done. Uh, the unsettled second unit. <laughs> all right. Unsettled second unit. Basically what I said was who can join Christian Brown was the main conversation. The main conversation here around the Denver Nuggets. Um, Michael Mullen's message basically was listing, and you saw me counting on my fingers. Uh, Christian Brown was one name that he listed. Uh, He listed Peyton Watson. He talked about Peyton Watson for a bit. The other guys that he mentioned going into this conversation about who can play for the bench, Reggie Jackson, Justin Holliday, Zeke Naji, DeAndre Jordan, and the three incoming rookies, Julian Strother, Jalen Pickett, Hunter Tyson. So that's nine guys. And if you add in the starters, that is 14 guys. And then the 15th man is Vlatko Chanchar, who has a torn ACL. So he basically mentioned the entire rotation or the entire bench when talking about who could play. What that says to me is that it's completely unsettled. It is a completely unsettled situation. And that is not fantastic. That's not great. And what that says to me is that, like he also said, quote, competition is healthy and I look forward to watching these guys compete. Um, That is, again, not spectacular from a defined pecking order perspective. There are a lot of elements here that I think are good. I think a lot of these guys can play. A lot of these guys have the potential to be a playoff rotation member. But the fact that there are very few definitive names and that a lot of it is relying on second year Christian Brown is, I think, a little bit scary. That's probably the least confident thing that you can say about Denver's bench. Um, and I get it. I When other people are looking at Denver's roster, like, what are you talking about? They, they definitely got worse. It's hard for one to argue because I can, I can understand that by listing off all of the question marks that Denver has on their bench. Now, there's, like I said, there's a lot of talent and a solution could coalesce into something. We could also get the dreaded stagger. Like Jamal Murray will probably play with the second unit a fair amount, especially if he wants to make an all-star team, especially if the team wants to be as good as they can be. They will play their starters as much as they can. Um, Now, the question, of course, is can you go with a five-man bench unit? Are you going to go with the stagger? How many starters do you have to play with the bench in order to make it good? What is the goal? Uh, Is the goal to make the bench as good as possible? And do you cost yourself valuable minutes with the starters as a unit? And then does that get worse as a result? I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like. But what I do know is that there are questions. And while Peyton Watson could be an answer, while Zeke Naji could be an answer, while Jalen Pickett or Julian Strother or Hunter Tyson or Zeke Na- or DeAndre Jordan or Reggie Jackson or Justin Holliday or any of those guys, while any of them could be an answer, the questions are still going to be there. And I do think that that is at least like that's something to consider here. Um, It is not me trying to be a downer because I think I'm pretty positive about what I heard from today. But I do think that 
there are at least some questions going forward. Next, the veterans will help. Um, this was a, a constant from uh, both the communication from the coaching staff in the front office to the players talking about it last year to I think there's going to be no lack of veteran leadership on the team this year. For starters, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, KCP, they're all a year older and they are all like either in firmly in their primes or just kind of on the edge of it. And what that says to me is that, hey, the actual veteran leadership aspect of it may not be as important for that group. There will be some importance for the bench. Like there's there's a lot of young guys in Denver's potential bench group, and that's going to be a very important piece to monitor this year. But it's why I have some positive takeaways from Reggie Jackson and Justin Holiday. Those guys, they basically held court in or they, they recorded a podcast in the media room, just talking to each other and talking to the to everybody in the room. Justin Holiday, very well spoken guy, very personable guy. I didn't really expect that from him. I thought he would be more of a Gary Harris type, more of a soft spoken type of guy. Justin Holiday's got some personality to him, and uh, that could be really good. That could be really good for a Nuggets team that, for a lot of time, has has not had a ton of personality. But a guy like Ish Smith last year, could I see Justin Holiday filling that void as a veteran leader? Absolutely. Same thing with like a, a Jeff Green type. But I do think that those are important aspects of it that people don't really mention all that often, but are important pieces of being a good team. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens, but it's going to be interesting. I think that Justin Holiday is going to play more than people think. I think that the start or the second unit that is going to be utilized the most at the beginning of the season will be Reggie Jackson, Justin Holiday, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, Zeke Naji. It's going to be a small unit. It's going to be switchable. And you're going to get a couple of veterans out there to match up with the young guys that are already on the floor. And I think that'll be helpful. Uh, We'll see whether it actually is. We'll see whether that's dumb. But you can go a little bit smaller with your second unit most of the time, as long as you have guys that know what they're doing. And Reggie Jackson and Justin Holiday should know what they're doing. They also have a relationship together. They've they've known each other for years, for over a decade. So that was interesting to learn today. And I think that maybe that's one of the reasons why they went after a guy like Holiday, because he got a, probably got a good recommendation from Reggie. And that, that's a, like, he's a, he's a good player. He's clearly a good player and clearly helpful. And he had some good answers when I asked him about Demata Sabonis and kind of the comparisons there between him and Jokic. Uh, he's ready for this kind of offense. He's ready for a center to pass him the ball, which that's what we need to be as a, as a shooting guard. He talked about cutting hard and cutting often. And that was a, that was a, eye-opening approach that if you're a veteran and if you're willing to cut, Nikola Jokic is going to find you and Justin Holiday might create some free points that he didn't get in Atlanta or Dallas in either of his last two stops. So we'll be interesting to see. Finally, um, all-star talks. There's been a couple of all-star discussion points for Denver this year. Uh, just going through it here. Michael Malone said directly, uh, he actually had a long soliloquy when I asked him about 
what is different this year, kind of going into the year with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter healthy, as opposed to uh, kind of rehabbing and on the mend. And he turned that into his all-star campaign for Jamal Murray. Uh, Surprisingly, he didn't really talk about Michael Porter that much in this conversation, but maybe forgot that I asked him about Porter. Uh, but here's here's the quote, and it's not it's not a perfect quote, but here's the quote. I want Jamal Murray to be an all-star. I want him to be a first-time all-star this year. I want Jamal Murray to be an all-NBA player. And to do that, he's got to do that in October. He's got to do it in November. It can't be a slow start. I think if Jamal can continue to play the way he played during those playoffs and get off to that strong start, that will be so impactful for our group. And he went on to talk about how it was impactful for Jamal individually and how a lot of this conversation is about Jamal getting off to a hotter start and not starting the year slow. It's pretty clear. And if you read my burning questions column, um, you will know that I referenced all of the point values and the efficiencies that Jamal has had at the beginning of the year versus the end of the year. And it is a drastic difference. He works himself into shape, does not play well early, and plays great late for whatever reason. If he wants to be an all-star, can't do that this year. He just can't. Like You have to be better sooner. Because a lot of times, the first impressions of all-star voters, whether it's uh, the actual NBA fans or if it's the coaching staffs and people that are looking around this year are like, hey, What's going on? What's happening? A lot of their impressions are made from the first few games that they watch of a team. And Jamal Murray, if he has a great November, like let's say he averages 26 points per game during November, he's probably going to be an all-star, like regardless of what he does in December or January. Just a 26-point-per-game November is going to do that for him as long as Denver wins their games. So, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do think that that is clearly a desire for Malone. Uh, Whether it's a desire for Jamal or not, I think he would like that to happen. But he said ad nauseum today that the championship is something he values more and that he doesn't want to focus on individual awards. Like, really, he would rather focus on winning championships. And that's cliche. Like, he doesn't have to say it. And you're you're glad he says it, but you're not like it's not necessary that he does. But I do think that he his he's felt a little bit jaded about the kind of player that he thinks he is versus the respect that he has received in these national conversations. And a lot of it, I think he's just kind of closed himself off to it at this point because talking about it isn't really going to change it. I don't think so. We'll see what happens, but. Michael Porter Jr. also mentioned that he believes the other guys on the Nuggets roster can also improve individually. And he talked about how Aaron wants to be a first-time All-Star, how he wants to be an All-Star. Jamal, of course, uh, he talks about Jokic being motivated. It's very interesting to see MPJ talking about being an All-Star still. It's not a shock because of the kind of profile of player that he is. But what that says to me, and and it's funny, he kind of expanded upon this and didn't think that his role would change too much. But he talked about how he's been working on ball handling and ball control this offseason, how he wants to be more of a player with the ball in his hands. Not necessarily 
like in a different role in Denver, but just having the opportunity to do more things when he does get those opportunities during the season. So that's going to be fascinating. I don't know if that's going to, if he's going to get enough opportunity, he's going to have to show progression and improvement as a passer, as a decision maker, as a dribbler, as a ball handler. He's going to have to do all of those things in order to get the team to trust him in that regard. But the good news is that they have the flexibility. <laughs> there's there's no reason to immediately shut off the possibility because Denver definitely has something better. They have it. They have something better during the playoffs, but the season is long and Jokic and Murray are not going to play 82 games and they're not going to play 48 minutes. There's going to be an opportunity for Michael Malone to grow. And I don't see any reason why he couldn't develop as more of a ball handler. Whether he does or not, we'll see. Aaron Gordon last year was, of course, very close to being an all-star. He was right on the cusp. Ultimately, the league went with Jaron Jackson. Maybe that was the right decision. Maybe it wasn't. But I kind of think that Aaron missed his opportunity because Jamal was kind of slow out of the gate. And a lot of the credit for Denver's record went to Aaron Gordon as opposed to Jamal because of the box plus minus and the advanced numbers and the, the lineup data and things like that. I think that after people have seen the playoffs, they're going to know that Jamal is the next best guy on the Nuggets, and it's not going to really be a question, even if the numbers are kind of similar or if it looks like Aaron is maybe providing more of a boost on the uh, advanced analytics side. I think that it is far more likely now after the what we just saw in the playoffs that Jamal is the guy that people automatically associate with, hey, Denver needs two all-stars. It's Jamal's turn. Now we'll see whether that actually happens. I don't, like, I don't know. I think he will get it, but it has to be a dedicated push from him because the West is very crowded. There are only 12 spots and they are not positionless, unlike the All-NBA, which is now positionless, top 15 guys. Um, the West is very competitive in terms of All-NBA status or All-Star status. So we will see what actually happens, but... I'm very curious. I hope that everybody um, hope that everybody gets out and supports the Nuggets on the on the All Star talks because that should be a fun thing. But was just an interesting detail point from today. And if you want to read about other topics from Media Day, uh, from Nuggets Media Day specifically, make sure to go to MileHighSports.com and look up my article. The Denver Nuggets are gearing up to defend their championship title. That was my Media Day Takeaways article from today. Go read that and you will learn more. All right, tell you what, let's take one more break. When we come back, we are going to chat about around the league and some other things that are going on. We'll be right back. But first, this message from Good Morning Broncos. Good morning, Broncos. Monday through Friday, every uh, at nine o'clock every every Monday through Friday. Sorry, I <laughs> clearly am tired. There's there's been a lot going on over the course of these last uh, last couple of weeks. Some stuff that you know about, some stuff that you don't. Um, and good stuff, good stuff that should be very fun. So can't wait to talk about it all. Gonna give it a couple days, a couple weeks actually, but should be very fun. But Good morning, Broncos. You should go listen to Cody Rourke's latest episode. He is great at covering the Broncos. 
And also as a Nuggets fan, by the way. So, all right. Lots of talks from around the NBA during media day. There was a lot of discussion by the Nuggets and various other people surrounding this about Milwaukee and Boston kind of gearing up. They have jumped into, like at least according to a site that is not sponsored, uh, that is not sponsoring this podcast. Uh, they have jumped into tied position for the favorites in the NBA uh, over the Nuggets, over the Suns, and teams like that in the West. I think that Milwaukee is a very, very good team now. I think that there's no reason to question whether they could be the favorites. Uh, I think that Boston, I was a little bit skeptical before. Like I didn't see it. I didn't see it without Drew Holiday. Now I do. If they don't run into the Nuggets, then, or even if they do, like there's there's questions there, obviously, but they will score against the Nuggets, I feel. Um, but those teams are going to both be really good. That's setting up to be a massive collision course, and Denver might actually have the easier path to the title now if they don't have to go through both of those teams. They just have to go through one if one of them comes out of the out of the East. So we will see what actually happens there. But Milwaukee and Boston should be very interesting. Um, Simon asks, uh, do you think the Nuggets could receive an injury exception to add another big man to replace uh, Chanchar? They could, and they probably will. If the implication is that he is not coming back, and there's basically no question about that, then I think it's fine. I think they should absolutely try to apply for a designated uh, injury exception, basically. Uh, DPE, that's a player. Yeah, it's the DPE. Yeah, I think it is the DPE. Basically, what that's going to do is it's going to give them another minimum contract slot that they could sign somebody to, basically like a buyout market kind of guy. There are a variety of players that could be helpful. Perhaps even a guy like Jamichael Green, who is still out on the, the free agency market and could give Denver another big man that they can add to their rotation. Um, there are other names that you could go with as well. That's just the first one that popped into my mind for some reason. Uh, but yeah, they could absolutely apply for that exception. All right, thank you for that. Milwaukee and Boston gearing up should be interesting. But the big story, I think, from around the NBA, James Harden just didn't show up. Uh, I had heard Zach Lowe talk on the Low Post that he thought that James Harden would show up because there is a cup for a couple reasons. One, the Sixers can just fine him while he is not showing up. But the other reason is that if they don't agree to a trade and he sits out for the entire season, like doesn't show up to Sixer stuff at all, then they can actually bar him from signing as a free agent anywhere, not just in the NBA, but any professional league. So that is interesting to me. And it would shock me if they didn't trade him because I don't think that they can wait. I don't think they can wait out James Harden and be like, yeah, we're going to force you to sit out and you're not going to be able to sign with another team. They don't have the luxury of that kind of time. Joel Embiid is going to absolutely demand a trade if he has to go through what he did for Ben Simmons a couple of years ago. That's going to be a catastrophe waiting to happen. So they've got to get some help in there and they've got to do it soon. I think that James Harden's going to win this fight. I think he's probably going to end up on the Clippers. And it's going to be interesting to see 
what that's for and and whether like whether that's actually a good thing or not but i am unsure uh oh you guys are saying reggie bullock too um reggie bullock could be interesting so it's interesting i like justin holiday i think he's going to be a very important like I, i think it could be a really good piece for denver i think he's actually a better player right now than reggie bullock he he's the guy that i was most interested in hearing in hearing from and i i know the bullock was waived and it might make sense to just get another good veteran player in given that they have christian brown and peyton watson and justin holiday and julian strother and hunter tyson who can play on the wing kind of play that two three small ball four ish i think they would be better served either going for a one or going for a five uh like a, a true point guard or a true big man whether that's actually the case or not, and whether that guy actually emerges or not, that remains to be seen. And, and we'll be able to talk about that over the course of the regular season. But I would not focus on that right now until they even apply for that designated player, uh, not designated player, but whatever it was, like the, the injury exception. Until they apply for that, then I'm not going to talk about it just because it doesn't do anything, anybody any good speculating on what's to come <laughs> we'll see what happens and whether they they can go get somebody but um yeah james harden that's going to be interesting that's going to be one where i think he's going to win out i think he's going to go to the clippers for like either norman powell and marcus morris or terrence mann Nicola, uh, yeah, Nicholas Batum and Robert Covington, something like that. Nothing crazy, but it will help both teams uh, because the Sixers won't be like they'll they'll need somebody else in the door. And Norman Powell actually seems like a good fit there, just somebody who can provide some scoring. But again, they they're just they are not good enough anymore. The Sixers are, and I do not know when the next player is going to come up that's actually good enough for them to actually make a run because they are behind the eight ball now, especially now that Milwaukee and Boston have loaded up the way that they did. Toronto is interesting. Toronto's got bad vibes. I don't know if you read any of the quotes. I don't know if you saw any of the stories, but I've been paying attention a little bit to what's going on with Pascal Siakam because he was initially a trade target kind of guy. Somebody that a lot of people were wondering, hey, is he going to stick it out in in Toronto? What's going to happen there? And a lot of the messaging about that is like he's not going to get an extension. He's not going to sign an extension. He will probably leave as a free agent if he like is just allowed to go. And OG Ananobi was reported today will also not sign an extension with Toronto. He will decline his player option if he's there or basically with any team that he's that he's free to do, and explore free agency. What that says to me is that he's probably looking to find his way to the Lakers because he's a, actually he's not a clutch guy anymore. I think he's a CAA guy, uh, but he used to be a clutch guy. So maybe he goes to the Knicks. Uh, CAA, Knicks, that's a pretty big connection there. Uh, but you could point at the Toronto Raptors and wonder... Their vibes, some of the worst in the NBA, especially under the radar. Pascal Siakam, I bet that he gets moved in the next month. I bet he gets moved before the regular season or 
soon into the regular season because it just does not seem healthy there. It does not seem healthy there at all. And I'm very curious to see what they end up doing because Scotty Barnes should be the guy that they build around. He's young. He's good. And Pascal Siakam is clearly on the fritz. So that'll be a fun storyline to, to follow up. We will see what, what actually takes place there. A um, couple more things. Chris Paul, now a member of the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> it's, there's been a lot of chatter about how weird that looks. I don't know if you've seen any of the pictures online. Chris Paul being a member of the Warriors, very odd, very curious. And, and what that's actually going to look like for them is very interesting. Draymond Green, going to be out for a couple weeks with an ankle sprain. Does that give them plenty of time to experiment with Chris Paul in the starting lineup next to so got Chris Ball, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Kevon Looney. Could that be your five? Or could you go with when when Draymond comes back, Chris Paul, Steph, Clay, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and go really small? Uh, I'm not sure what they're going to look like. I'm not sure what they're going to try. Steve Kerr at one point said that he thinks that they have six starters, and I actually think he's right. I think that he's correct. I would put all six of those guys in the top 115 players or so, like Kevon Looney probably bringing up the rear there. But it is interesting to think about what they're going to look like. They do not have the top-end talent that they used to, although they certainly have the top-end name name power. But beyond the top six guys in their team, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, they are a a weird one. Like there's, There's a lot to be curious about with Golden State. Like I they could be really good because the non-Steph minutes were the worst for them and now they have Chris Paul to lead that bench. But he kind of needs a rim roller and they don't have a great candidate there. So going to be interesting to see what they look like. Two more. Anthony Davis, not very happy with the Nuggets chattering. Not very happy with everything that is going on and and that the Nuggets were, were talking as much mess as they were during the summer. I, I retweeted something that Harrison Fagan forwarded me, uh, just a very interesting transcript of him talking about basically Vic Lombardi saying that uh, the Nuggets were the Lakers' daddy um, and just how he had been going back and forth with LeBron this this summer about how that's, that's just not going to fly. Pretty fascinating to hear. I don't think that that's real. I think that that's going to be something that's going to blow over, but... Who knows? Maybe the Lakers just do not like the Nuggets. And I figured that Bruce Brown kind of leaving might facilitate that not being a rivalry. But if the Lakers want to make it a rivalry, then that'll be fascinating. Like it's been a rivalry from the Nuggets side for a while because the Nuggets always lose and Nuggets fans are always mad at the Lakers for winning. So not really a surprise. This is the first time in history that the tables have been turned and the Nuggets are clearly better and actually preventing the Lakers from winning a title. So we will see whether this becomes a storyline or not. And finally, could I finish with anything else? <laughs> could I finish with anything else other than Jimmy Butler's emo hair? Like the dude is on fire. He is he is insane. Uh now I'm not gonna lie, commenting on gas prices when you're driving around your sports car, your Bugatti or whatever is kind of wild and probably a little bit disingenuous. 
but he was laughing about uh, how the there was tampering going on with the Damian Lillard sweepstakes and how the the Bucks should be investigated. Obviously, joking, given that the Heat were probably the the biggest tamperers of them all, and then showing up today with the emo hair. Last year, obviously, he had the the epic dreads. Those were unbelievable, and anybody that sees the screenshots online of of Jimmy from his his media day pictures, he's now picking different different styles, different outfits, and that hair is just incredible. So good on Jimmy. Uh, he's bringing a different uh, bringing a different vibe to the entire NBA this year. Just a very curious, interesting guy. One question before we get out of here. Eddie Sell says, hey, Ryan, any chance of having DMAC on the show? Absolutely. I will reach out to DMAC. He he should be able to talk about the Nuggets. And um, I, I'm a fan of DMACs and what he's done for like being at Ball Arena these last couple of years covering the Nuggets of the Avalanche. He's done a great job. So I think I'll have him on the show if I can. That'll be that'll be a fun time. That'll be a good time. DMAC's a good dude. All right, everybody. I think that is going to do it unless anybody has any more questions. Uh, but yeah, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into the show. Really appreciate all the love and support. Make sure to hit that like button if you're watching on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. That would mean the world. And if you're watching or if you're listening on, on the audio side of things... Uh, <laughs> if you're listening to the if you're listening on the audio side thank you so much for tuning in and and leave a, a nice review that would that would definitely benefit me because i'm very selfish and would love for things to benefit um <laughs> rob just rob just got to the muted section <laughs> thanks my guy thank you guys everybody for tuning in hit that like button on the way out i will talk to you guys very soon